Well, I'm thankful this morning uh, for the opportunity to preach the Word today. You don't often get to hear from me on Sunday mornings, and there's a good reason for that. It's because uh, Pastor David never knows what I'm going to say. Speaking of Pastor David, uh, he made a joke about me the other day, two Sundays ago, about bumper soccer, saying how I... He didn't think that there was a bumper soccer ball big enough for me to fit inside of. And uh, I think that he is conveniently in Hawaii today uh, just so that I wouldn't blast him with the bumper soccer ball that I'm going to fit into a little bit later. But uh, seriously, I'd really love to see you all at uh, church here tonight at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a great time uh, for our combined service summer picnic. I'm thankful today for uh, the opportunity to preach I'm thankful today for Josh Janell, who is from our Madison County campus leading us in worship. Uh, I prayed extensively all week long for passion uh, with which to preach the Word, and, and I was thankful uh, for the way you led us in worship and for the way I could just sing. Most of the time I'm up here on the microphone, and uh, I can't sing harmony because that would mess all of you up, and it was just wonderful and delightful for me to sing of the mercies of the Lord together with you all this morning. So I'm thankful. If you would, open your text of Scripture up to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And I want to know if you know this song. We haven't ever sung it here when I was here so far until right now. Uh, But uh, have you ever heard this song? Bless the Lord, O my soul, And all that is within me, bless His holy name. You all remember that one? From the 70's. I looked it up. (laughs) Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. I want to invite you to sing that song with me. Let's sing it together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Now that you know it, let's stand in honor of the singing of the Word of God as we sing together Psalm 103, verse 1 together. Let's sing together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Pray with me. Lord, I pray for passion as I preach this morning. I am I'm weak. I am in many ways a failure. And uh, I pray, Father, for Your Word to ring through the weakness of my voice. I pray, Father, that You would encourage us to fight to bless You. I pray that You would encourage us, Lord, to lift up Your name with every ounce of our being. And that we as a church would truly bless Your name. In Jesus we pray, Amen. You may be seated. I remember as a child, singing the song we just sang uh, next to my dad in church. I don't really think I've sung it since then. Um, and I was always amazed at my dad's voice. He, he was never somebody to sing solos, but he had this big bassy voice. And he'd always sing harmony in a lower octave. And I was a little boy then, and my voice hadn't yet changed, and I was just like, I'd stare up at him just thinking, wow, how can he sing so low and so powerfully? 
And uh, that struck me as a young boy. Uh, but what struck me even more than that was, was the passion with which he sang, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. I remember it was his passion for the Lord that, that led me to Christ. He sang about Christ. He lived for Christ. And he, he told me, his son, about Christ. Uh, I knew the Gospel story from as young as I can remember. I was told the Gospel story. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. I knew that. And I always knew it though in, in sort of a, a general kind of way. God so loved the world. And uh, it was on a, a camp out with my dad as we sat around the fire and he told me that that old, old story for the hundredth time that finally that old, old story took root in my heart and it became a new story. And for the first time in my life, I, I was struck with this realization that, that God didn't just love the whole world, but that He loved me. I was struck with this realization that despite my sin before a holy God, He gave me, His perfect Son, who died paying the price not only for the sins of all who would believe, but for my sins. I was struck with the, the gravity, the weight, the consequence of my sin. In order for me to be adopted into the family of God, in order for me to be forgiven, God placed the totality of His wrath upon His own Son, so that I might be redeemed. I remember weeping over that realization as I came to know that for the first time in a personal way. I was struck by the, the horrors of my sin. But not only that, I was struck by the immeasurable love that the Father had shown me. I was, as Isaiah says, undone. My heart was ripped apart. He was ripping out my heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh that beats for Him. I repented of my sin that night. I, I, I was given by God the grace to believe in faith. Uh, the, 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 the glorious story of the Gospel. And that night, a, a little boy who was dead in his trespasses and sins was made alive in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, Ephesians 2 tells us. And after that, singing next to my dad in church was never the same. After that, I, I understood what the passion was in his heart with which he sang, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Because I, I knew what it meant. Now, I want to be intensely personal with you this morning because Psalm 103 is an intensely personal song. Uh, I'd like to stand up here before you all today as your pastor of music and community and uh, tell you all that every morning I wake up with Psalm 103, verse 1, fresh on my heart and on my mind and pouring out of my lips. Uh, Ironically, since I am the man called to 
called to lead you to bless the Lord with all your soul and all that is within you, bless His holy name. Ironically, that's not always the case with me. And I, I, I share that with all honesty, and I know that if you are honest with yourselves as well, you also at times, maybe even like me, entire seasons of life, you find it very difficult to bless the Lord with all that is within you. Uh, there are all kinds of things that can steal your song away. All kinds of things that can quiet your soul. And uh, maybe, maybe you find yourself here this morning in the midst of some terrible time of trial. Uh, maybe you find yourself in the midst of hardship, and this hardship that you're facing is, is stifling or weighing down your heart so much so that, so that, that the voice of praise, the blessing to the Lord cannot come out. Uh, maybe you're here today and, and uh, you find yourself like the psalmist in Psalm 63, which, which says uh, he is in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Maybe you're here and, and your heart and your soul is so parched spiritually dry, that, that you don't have a song of blessing to the Lord. Maybe you are dealing with unconfessed sin. And you're walking every day knowing that you need to confess the sin, but you're living inside that guilt. And instead of running to the loving arms of a father, you're running away. Maybe you're, you're angry. Maybe you see this culture of ours here in the United States, so dead set, hell-bent on turning away from everything that is right and moral and good, everything that is of God, and instead turning the exact opposite way. And, and maybe you just watch the news and get angry. And uh, the song that was within your heart is no longer there. Well, there are a million reasons why or a million things that could rip the song of blessing the Lord with your soul away from you. And I want to stand here today and my prayer today is that Psalm 103 would be an encouragement. That I would be able to exhort you to fight to bless the Lord. The psalmist David finds himself engaging in that battle. Engaging in that battle to bless the Lord. And, and he does so by singing. Isn't that interesting? The Psalm 103 is a song. And he is engaging in the battle to bless the Lord by singing. It's interesting to note the audience of this song is who? Well, certainly he's singing to the Lord. But who is he addressing in verse 1? Himself. He is singing to himself. David is 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 singing and, and preaching this message to himself. He's encouraging and exhorting himself to bless the Lord. He tells himself, you bless the Lord. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. This is a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. He tells himself, you bless the Lord. Many of the commentaries that I read while preparing for this message uh, all agreed that it is very likely that David was 
was well advanced in years by the time that he wrote this song. His style, uh, the heart with which he writes, it leads us to believe that. Uh, he is a well-seasoned, mature man. He's seen a lot. He's experienced much in his life. He's, he's been a shepherd as a young boy. As you remember in 1 Samuel, he, was, uh, he had killed a lion and a bear. Uh, he was, he was uh, anointed by a mysterious prophet named Samuel. And uh, he was promised that one day this young shepherd boy would raise up and be, be king in Israel. He was, he was willingly went before Goliath, the enemy of God, the enemy of the people of Israel, and he slew the Goliath, the, the giant, and uh, cut off his head with his, the giant's own sword. He, he sat in the king's court and played his heart for a mad King Saul and King Saul tried to take his life on a number of occasions. So David fled for his life. He fled into the wilderness. He knew what it was to be hungry and thirsty and homeless. Uh, he, he then, once Saul passed away, actually became king. He was anointed king years and years earlier, but he became king just as the prophet Samuel had promised. And he experienced what it was like to reign and what it was like to be victorious over enemies. And in all that, he also experienced what it was like to, to feel guilt and genuine grief over sin. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He sent Uriah the Hittite, her husband, to the front line so that he may be killed. He, he dealt with the guilt of murder and adultery and, and uh, as a result, experienced the death of, of his son with Bathsheba. Um, and later on, as you continue to read the Old Testament, one of his own sons uh, goes against him and seeks to take his own life. He's experienced a lot. He's a seasoned psalmist, a seasoned songwriter. And through it all, David preaches to himself. He tells himself, you, you, bless the Lord. With every fiber of my being, with all that is within me, bless His holy name. Now this word bless in the Hebrew, it's, it's a lot like the word worship. Worship literally means to prostrate yourself before the Lord. Uh, uh, it's a lot like the word praise, but it specifically means to attribute glory. To bestow glory. To tell, to declare the glory of God. And so, to bless is what he's calling himself to do. That's the main point of his message. He's preaching to himself and the main point of his message is to bless the Lord. And with any good sermon, there are points that underline this primary point with which to support the main point. And so in verses 2 through 5, David supports this message to bless the Lord by giving reasons why he should bless the Lord. Why should he bless the Lord? Let's look at 2 through 5 and let me read them together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The way that David is engaging in this battle to fight to bless the Lord is by first and foremost, remembering. He says at the end of verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all 
His benefits. This word benefits in the Hebrew uh, is a word that has to do with doings or actions on one's behalf. It's, it's, it's not as though David is, is comparing and contrasting, weighing the benefits of blessing the Lord. Instead, he's actively recalling. He's remembering the works of the Lord on his behalf. And the mighty acts of God on his behalf lead him then to rightly bless the Lord. What are these benefits? What are these mighty acts of the Lord on His behalf? And by the way, he lists 17 benefits of the Lord in Psalm 103. Now, if Pastor David were here and he were going through every one of these benefits, you all would be in royal trouble because you wouldn't get out of here till 3 o'clock. Uh, but I'm going to fly through these 17 benefits And I want you to see the big picture. I want you to see how this deluge of the recalling of the benefits of God allowed David and then the congregation of Israel and then all God's creatures and all God's creation to join in this song to bless the Lord. This first benefit listed in verse 3. It says, "...who forgives all your iniquity as a banner over the manifest manifold benefits of God, David remembers his first standing before God is that He is one who has been forgiven. He remembers that God's forgiveness isn't partial. It's not forgiven for some things, but not others. His, his forgiveness is comprehensive. He has forgiven all your iniquity. I looked up all your iniquity in the Hebrew. As a good preacher should. You know what it means? All your iniquity. Isn't that cool? Uh, (laughs) The past sins. The present sins. Sins that he, David, is sure to uh, commit in the future. They've all been forgiven. God's forgiveness is complete. And that is the benefit that he hangs as a banner over all these benefits that he is about to list here. Uh, The second benefit found in in verse 3 is this. It says, who heals all your diseases. Now remember here what that, uh, that David is addressing specifically his soul. And we would like to sit here and read this verse. And a lot of, uh, a lot of preachers who preach a health, wealth, gospel would, would claim that this means that you should never ever have a disease if you have the faith not to have the disease. This text is not saying that. He is addressing his soul. And the truth of the matter is that as he has been forgiven of all his iniquities, so also his sick, cancerous soul has been healed. God has taken care of, by His grace, His primary need uh, for for healing. And that is the healing of His his sick soul. Uh, I say that, and and even while I say that, I I don't want you to uh, dismiss what our hope is. When I read this verse and was studying, my mind went to Revelation 22 and 21. But in chapter 22 of Revelation, it reminds us that that there is coming a day when there will no longer be anything accursed. Amen? Amen. There's coming a day, chapter 21 says, when there will be no more sickness, no more dying, no more pain, no more tears. And, and, And even while we rejoice that God has graciously healed our souls for those who are in Christ, uh, we look forward to the day when, when uh, that ultimate healing will be fully and finally realized in glory. 
Let's look at verse 4. Another benefit of the Lord. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. This word redemption has to do with being purchased of God. And since God has purchased David, it has resulted in the fact that he has been rescued from certain destruction. Rescued out of the pit. Out of the miry clay, as David would say in other Psalms. Uh, He's been rescued from this certain death and destruction. And instead, he's been crowned. What has he been crowned with? There's that word. Pastor David preaches on this word all the time. It's because it's all over the Old Testament. It's the word hesed. It means the steadfast love of the Lord. The covenant love of the Lord. He's been crowned instead of with death and destruction. Instead of with the pit. He's been crowned with the love of the Lord. That is an awesome benefit of the Lord that He is instructing Himself not to forget. And finally, verse Verse 5 says, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Uh, the Lord satisfies. He, he allows us, Psalm 36 says, to drink from the river of His pleasures. And to drink from the river of His pleasures far overwhelms any, any attempt that we may have to satisfy ourselves. He is our portion. He is our cup. So David exhorts himself. He says, self, bless the Lord, O my soul. And it's a fight to get there. He's experienced a lot. He's been in deserts. He's been fleeing for his life. He, he, he perhaps doesn't have the song in him to bless the Lord. But in order to get there, he remembers first and foremost the benefits of God. These acts of God on his behalf. What's he do? He goes back to the beginning. He does what I did at the beginning of this sermon. He preaches to himself the Gospel. And he reminds himself of how he has been redeemed and forgiven by the merciful grace of Almighty God. Uh, The source and the power of this blessing the Lord is because He has therefore been blessed. (laughs) He blesses because He has been blessed. And church, I don't know what is keeping you today from blessing the Lord. I know there are probably very, very many people here who find it hard to bless the Lord with everything that is in you, even right now. Uh, But I do know that if if you come here as a believer in Jesus Christ, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, there is nothing in all the world that is powerful enough to keep you from singing the blessings of God. And in order for you to get there, the first thing you have to do is to do what David did. And that is to remind yourself of the grace that He knows. And the grace that you know. Preach to yourself the Gospel. Remind yourself and sing to yourself. Preach to yourself His story in your life. Just as David reminded himself of these blessings, remind yourself of the same. You stand forgiven in all of all your iniquity. Jesus' death has paid the price for all your sins. He cried out on the cross, it is finished, which means it is paid in full. And so therefore, Christian, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. The sickness of your wicked heart has been cleansed and has been healed. Bless the Lord. You have been purchased, redeemed by the imperishable blood of Jesus Christ. You have been given the love and the mercy of God. The love and mercy, that as we'll see in just a moment, is from everlasting to everlasting. Therefore, Christian, bless the Lord. 
Bless the Lord. He satisfies you with good so that your strength is renewed like the eagles. Therefore, bless the Lord. Do you see how every one of these benefits, every one of these acts of God on your behalf find their fulfillment in Christ? None of these things are possible without the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All His benefits are wrapped up in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And He has accomplished these benefits for you on your behalf. So Christian, as you fight this morning even, to bless the Lord with all your soul and all that is within you to bless His holy name, start by reminding yourself of His benefits. They are many. All His benefits, the text says. He has lavished His grace upon us. Therefore, we must bless the Lord. As David reflects on the mercies of the Lord on his own life, it's as if at this point in the psalm, he he opens this door and begins to recognize the immense expansiveness of God's grace. And he realizes he's not alone in this song that he is singing. This song of blessing. God has shown the same kind of mercy, the same kind of loving kindness toward the covenant people of Israel. And so this song that he began singing to himself begins to evolve. It begins to develop. And it becomes, it turns, transforms from bless the Lord, O my soul, to you all. That's terrible. You all. I'm, I'm from Kentucky. I've been here for 14 years, lived in Louisville for two. So I'm going to officially now start saying y'all. Okay? So, y'all bless the Lord is what he starts to say. Uh, he changes the direction of the song from preaching to himself to then preaching and exhorting the congregation, uh, the covenant people of God. And you can see the transition. If you just take note of some of the pronouns that he uses, at the beginning of the song he uses personal singular pronouns such as my and you speaking to himself and your speaking to himself. And beginning in chapter uh, verse 6 all the way to verse 18, he starts using plural pronouns. He's he's changing the direction of this song. He's starting to to preach and to sing to the congregation. Y'all bless the Lord. Let's look at verses 6-7. through The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. He recalls, as he is being mindful of the manifold blessings of God, these benefits, he recalls to mind, I'm not the only one who has realized this grace. I'm not the only one on whom God has poured out His mercy He has, in fact, done works of righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He has, in fact, in ages past, centuries before this, the writing and the singing of this song, He made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the people of Israel. He begins His exhortation to the y'all. That still sounded bad. I'm still so bad at saying that. I actually didn't even know how to spell y'all until this year. (laughs) Sorry. My heart is in the south. Um, He begins his exhortation to the congregation of the covenant people of Israel. That's better. By giving them a little history lesson. Uh, and, And you can tell he's going there in his mind 
Uh, because in verse 7, he said, he made known his ways to Moses. He's, he's thinking back now to the covenant God made with the people of Israel. Uh, the covenant uh, presented by Moses, the mediator of God. And his acts to the people of Israel. He, ta- he takes us back all the way to Exodus. The people of God had been in slavery for 400 years. God drew them out of slavery, rescued them with a mighty hand, with ten mighty acts. He led them uh, by cloud during the day, by fire by night, to the very banks of the Red Sea. And there, He showed forth His power in a way that everyone there was witness of. And uh, everyone there stood in amazement and utter fascination about the power of God as the, as the, the Red Sea parted and the people walked through on dry land. And as the Egyptian army pursued them, uh, once the Israelites had gotten on the other side of the Red Sea, God closed that Red Sea back up and destroyed their enemies. And they sang the song of Moses. And then God led them to Mount Sinai where God would invite Moses to appear before him and God would give him the ten words, the ten commandments of the covenant that he was making with his people Israel. Pastor Casey read the verse earlier. It's from the same context of this story. In fact, he's going to quote the verse that he read from Exodus chapter 34 in Psalm 103.8. That's how we know where he's, his mind is. It's the, verse, it's the verse that comes right after Moses comes off the mountain with the ten words and right after the people had been rescued from slavery, and right after they had walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, they had formed for themselves, fashioned with the gold that they had taken from Egypt as the spoils of victory, and they made a a golden calf. Even while God was appearing before Moses on Mount Sinai, giving Him the Word of the Lord, they had so quickly turned from the One who rescued them. And they were worshiping and reveling with all kinds of sin. And Moses came down with those two tablets. And with anger in his heart, he, he threw the tablets off the mountain and they shattered on the ground. God judged many that day. And Moses went back up on the mountain uh, the following day. And God once again graciously gave him the ten words. The ten commandments. And he said to Moses, what Pastor Casey read just a moment ago in verse 8, the Lord, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. As David has already recalled to mind the benefits of God on his own personal life, he is here recalling to mind on behalf of Israel and giving them a history lesson and saying, oh, the covenant love of God. Is boundless. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. And He's abounding in love. And and if they knew their Bibles, if they knew their Pentateuch, uh, uh, they would have recognized exactly what He's saying. Yeah, we should have been annihilated that day. But He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. What an amazing benefit. Another benefit. And there are 12 here in this section. So we're going to fly through here. He will not always chide, verse 9 says, nor will He keep His anger forever. I don't know about you, but I did not know what the word chide meant. Uh, it's not a word we use very often in, in our modern day vernacular. It's, uh, it's, not, it's kind of an archaic word. Chide literally means to come against and to discipline. 
And uh, fresh on the, on the, the heels of verse 8, as a reminder to the people of Israel of the Lord's mercy at Mount Sinai, He reminds the people He will not always pursue in discipline. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful reminder that once discipline has been rendered, forgiveness is granted. No longer is He angry. No longer is He against you. No longer is He holding a grudge or, or pursuing you for discipline. It's taken care of. It's done. Uh, verse 9 is a, another glorious benefit of, of the Lord. And then in verse 11 through, through uh, let's say, through, through 14, 11 through 14, or 10 through 14, uh, David gives uh, some of the most beautiful illustrations of God's love and forgiveness in all the, all the scripture. Uh, look at verses 10 through 14 with me. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Oh, Israel, oh, covenant people of God, here's another blessing, another benefit for you to remember as you are called to bless the Lord with me. He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. The illustrations are so vibrant in verses 11, 12, and 13. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. You know, I, I, uh, I grew up on a farm. I grew up uh, outside of the city. And then I moved to Louisville. And then I moved here in Lexington. And then I moved right back out into the country because I hate living in the city. <laughs> there are some things that I like, of course. But there are some things that uh, I just love about the country. And one of those things is you can see the stars. You, you can't see them here in the city. You can see the brightest stars on a clear night. But the light, the pollution that the light gives, uh, just bl blinds them, uh, drowns them out. And living out in the country, you can, you can step out on a cold, clear night and look up and uh, be amazed at the expansiveness of the, soul, of the, of the universe, our solar system. And uh, the universe in general, it's, 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 uh, it's more vast than we can wrap our minds around. And, and David, the psalmist here, says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. Uh, scientists, astrologists, haven't even found the end of the universe yet. In fact, they've kind of come to the conclusion that the universe is ever-expanding. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I, how am I supposed to know that? Um, if it is true, it's a beautiful illustration of God's ever-expanding love for those uh, that, that fear His name. Uh, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. Try to wrap your head around that one. It's infinite! As far as the east is from the west, 
so far as He removed our transgressions from us. His forgiveness is total. His forgiveness is, is complete. It's limitless. It's eternal. It's never-ending. Verse 17 says that the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. As if those two amazing, mind-boggling illustrations aren't enough, David then uh, brings our minds back to uh, the context of a home. We enter into that house and we find a father there who is a good father. And he has genuine compassion on his children. Look at verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. The word here, the term here used for compassion has to do with picking up and even holding at times. It's a picture to us of a loving father whose child has fallen and the father picks that child up and holds him, makes sure he's okay, and then sets him back up on his feet. Uh, to keep carrying on. Um, I've got four children and uh, kids do a lot of stupid things. <laughs> they do a lot of stupid things. Um, the other day, it was Mother's Day, and uh, for Mother's Day, or it was the day before Mother's Day, uh, our, you know, my kids have destroyed our van on the inside and and uh, so for Mother's Day, of course, we're going to have the kids clean out the van for mom. And so they they get going. All four of them are in there and they're cleaning up just the, you know, trash and suckers and everything else. It's all like everywhere. Ugh. And uh, I have Jeremiah, my oldest one, who's 10 now. He's spraying the windows down on the inside because, you know, they get their slimy hands and they just... And uh, so we, we, we take the van after all that's over. The van looks nice on the inside. We take it to the car wash at the Jessamine County Car Wash. It's one of those ones you do by hand. And I'm, you know, spraying all the kids. We're having a big time. And we get the whole outside of the van clean. I put $18 worth of quarters, or no, 18 minutes. I had no idea the quarters were going to last that long. But we had all kinds of time. And so I'm spraying all the kids. And I get back in the van, and I look down on the 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 floor right where the driver's side is. And guess what I see? I see a bunch of uh, sunflower seeds. I'm like, what in the world? So I think maybe they just forgot to sweep these up. And so I go down to pick them up, and they're all slimy! Because he had just spit the sunflower seeds on the floor of the car that we had just got done cleaning. And I said to myself, I didn't say to myself, I was screaming my head off at Jeremiah in the Jessamine County uh, car wash. I just don't have a category for how stupid this is. <laughs> and I was a little bit harsh, you know, and I'm sure I probably hurt his feelings, but <laughs> later on, you know, I just looked at him and it was that fatherly compassion. I just, I just started laughing, you know, and I gave him a big hug, and I just, I just, uh, it's that that kind of compassion that 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 might the anger might burn for a moment, uh, but because there is genuine love there and genuine mercy, it lasts for just a a little while, and then that father's there. Verse 17 says, or verse, verse 14 and 13, the father shows compassion to his children. That father is there to, to, to pick you up when you've fallen 
and to set you back up on your feet and to, to lead you on. He knows our frame. God is mindful of our weaknesses, our proneness to wander, and He remembers that we are dust and still He shows compassion. <clears throat> Finally, uh, in verses 15-18, through 18, uh, we see that the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Verse 15, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant, and to remember to do His commandments. Uh, the, the steadfast love of the Lord outlasts our life in this lifetime. It, it is eternal. It is from everlasting to everlasting. And so with this understanding, David, he, he, he has blessed the Lord with his own soul. He has recalled to mind the many benefits of the Lord on himself. And he, as he does so, he realizes uh, this isn't just me that the Lord has benefited, that the Lord has blessed. It, it has to do, His benefits, His blessings overflow into the entire congregation of the covenant people of God. And it's, it's as if David realizes his lone voice is not enough. And he realizes he's not singing a solo. And so he invites the covenant people of, of God to join in his song. And, and here today, here today, Ashland Avenue Baptist Church, we have just this past January celebrated 100 years of the, the manifold blessings of God on this church body. Uh, we have celebrated 100 years of the steadfast love, the mercy, the compassion, the faithfulness that God has shown forth on this congregation. And uh, His steadfast love has reached thousands already in those 100 years. Think about with me all the souls that have been rescued. Think about with me all the baptisms that have been, uh, that have been completed here and as people have declared the Lordship of Christ through baptism. Think about all the, the marriages that have been restored, the, the families that have been transformed. Think about all the souls that have been saved. Some of you here today were saved right here in Ashland Avenue Baptist Church. Some of you, maybe some of you in the back there, uh, might have come to Ashland's VBS you know, decades ago. And maybe it was at Vacation Bible School that you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ and He rescued you from your sins. And you can, can over the decades, trace out the blessings, the benefits of God upon this church. Psalm 103 reminds us that while important, a single voice is insufficient to adequately bless the Lord. His blessings rest on all His people, so David invites all His people to join Him in song. And today, 3,000 years later, this song is still reverberating. And we sing a new song. We sing a song in light of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We sing a song of redemption and forgiveness made possible through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So y'all, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Uh, David preaches to himself, and I've got to be quick. David preaches to himself. He says, bless the Lord. He's full of praise, reflecting on the benefits of the Lord. He remembers he is not the only one singing this song. He's not the only one on whom the blessings, the benefits of God rest. And so he invites everyone else in the covenant people of God to join the song. Finally, in verses 19-22, through 22, uh, David realizes there's, there's still something missing to this song. 
Yahweh is worthy. Yahweh, this great covenant-keeping God of Israel, He is worthy of still more blessing. And so in verses 19-22, through 22, He invites the, uh, the expanse of all creation to sing the song with Him. All His works bless the Lord. Let's read Psalm 103, 19-22. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All are invited to join in this psalm because God is worthy of all praise. The way I personally bless the Lord, while good, does not declare the expansiveness of the story. His benefits are greater, therefore the song must include those on whom His benefits rest. Oh, but, but Psalm 103 verse 19 expands David's song even more. Even, even the song of the covenant people of God is somehow lacking in the way they declare the glory of the, the glory that's due His name. Why is that? Look at verse 19 again. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Why? Because God has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. There is nothing, there is no one that can escape the responsibility of blessing the, the Lord. To bless His holy name. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 reminds us that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. There is nothing outside the boundaries of His authority. And there are no boundaries to His authority. So, He includes everything. Angels! You mighty throng of warrior Angels! You join in our song. Bless the Lord with us. Uh, he says, uh, not only to the angels, the mighty ones, but also, uh, verse 21, all His hosts. Uh, those ministering spirits, Hebrews uh, chapter 1 talks about all the hosts of, of, of the armies of God, the angelic armies of God. Our song is incomplete. So join us in our song. And then He, and then he expands it even more. Bless the Lord all His works. Creation itself instructed and exhorted to bless the Lord with us. And that just about sums it up, doesn't it? Nothing is outside the bounds of God's authority. And so therefore, everything within and under God's authority should and is called to bless the Lord. Uh, galaxies that we can't even see with our naked eye. Bless the Lord. Our solar system, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, bless the Lord. Every created thing, every bird, every fish, every animal, bless the Lord. Every tree, every plant, every flower, every rock, every grain of sand, every gust of wind, every wave, every cloud, everything under the dominion of Almighty God, bless the Lord. And when I bless the Lord, and when you bless the Lord, and when we, church, bless the Lord, and when the entire people of God all over the world bless the Lord, and when the angels bless the Lord, and when the work of His mighty hand, everything under His dominion begins to bless the Lord, then, then, perhaps we will begin to bless the Lord in a manner worthy 
of His name. He closes the psalm out simply by returning to where He began. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray.